Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season four, we're talking all about inspirational travel stories. Let's get started. I know I always say this, but I have another awesome, inspiring interview episode for you today with my guest, Ashley McCurdy. Our conversation is so good because it's a perfect example of turning something seemingly unfavorable, loss of her job, into a life that she only dreamed of. So Ashley lost her job. She got rid of everything, including her apartment, and she's been living in hotels full-time for the past three years on a weekly budget of $500, and that includes everything, the accommodation, the hotel, the food, and entertainment. And so if you want to learn more about how she does this, how you could do it too, this is the episode for you. And we don't just talk about living in hotels. She's started her business. She's grown it on Clubhouse. She's overcome some adversity in this travel influencer space. And we get into all of it. So here is the episode. Before we dive in, this season's episodes will come to you uninterrupted and ad-free. I know that you'll be inspired by the stories you hear this season. And if you need help taking the leap yourself, I encourage you to check out the resources listed in the show notes or visit my website, www.travelshifters.com. Whether you are seeking a remote job, a career break, or pursuing a different travel possibility, there are resources and services for every budget, including free. If you have any questions, my DMs are always open at the Travel Shifters. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I have another awesome interview episode for you today with my guest, Ashley. So Ashley, thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself and your background? Sure. Hi. So gosh, I have a crazy story of how I got into this crazy lifestyle of living in hotels. Back in 2019, I lost my job, which was like my full identity. And I was devastated. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I got a little bit of a severance package. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the rest of the year. It was like mid November. And I was like, the holidays are coming up. I'm going to travel a little bit. And in 2020, I will figure out what I'm going to do for work. No big deal. And so, you know, I went and cleared my chakras in Bali, went on a meditation retreat, all this kind of fun stuff, and then started a job search in 2020, which we know what happened. And long story short, I had to kind of come up with a new plan and my money was starting to run out. And I quickly realized as my lease was coming to an end, that if I renewed my lease, I would probably run out of money in about six months. And that scared me. And I watched a documentary on YouTube about some, you know, this couple that was traveling full time. And I was like, gosh, it's, it's silly how they're doing this because 
they're wasting their money. They could be doing it so much cheaper and staying at nicer places. And I started doing research and I was like, oh my God, if I moved into a hotel, I would be paying like a thousand dollars less than what I'm paying in rent. And I could document it on YouTube and maybe that could be my job. So that's kind of like how I got into it. And now I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary of traveling and living in hotels full-time on a very small budget. This is so great. And like, I put myself back in my shoes, like of my former corporate days to be like living in a (laughs) hotel. That's insane. So we're going to get more into that. But there is something you said in your intro that struck a chord with me about how your job was your identity. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, but maybe might not be 100% aware because that was my situation too until I left the job and then I realized. So can you talk more about what your job was and how you think you got tied so tightly into that becoming your identity? Yeah. So I, it's funny because (laughs) I actually started working for the company. I was working for a fortune 50 company. And uh, before that I was working in entertainment. I went to film school and I was a television production and broadcast journalism major. So I worked in the entertainment industry for the first five years of my career. And I loved it, but I hated I couldn't travel and travel was my passion. So I wanted a job where I could like book a vacation and go and it wasn't like, oh, a show got picked up. So like you can't travel for like the next like three months. So I had a career shift five years into my career in my 20s. And I started working for this Fortune 50 company, boring corporate job, but I had a month of vacation every year and a pension and benefits and all these things. And I basically did internal communications and it was a global role. So I had responsibilities for the APAC team in Asia. So I had calls as early as four or five in the morning and as late as like 10 or 11 at night because I was dealing with such crazy time zones. But I loved it because that job also allowed me to travel. And I started getting like really top tier status with airlines and hotels because of that and really got a taste of the good life. And that's where I started realizing more about how you could really earn a lot of points and miles through traveling through your corporate job and leveraging that to go on really epic vacations. So I would go on these like amazing, like I would do two weeks in Europe every summer and just all kinds of fun things. But the thing was, though, I was always working because of the time zones and just that job and what was expected at that company that I was, you know, on my phone on the weekends and early in the morning, late at night on vacations, even though I was using PTO, I was bringing my laptop and I was always, you know, out of office. But, you know, let me just check my email really quick, you know, before we go to the beach or whatever. So I was never really off. And so once all that was gone and I found out I was losing my job, they gave me a 30 day notice and, you know, they were really nice about it, but I didn't know what to do because I I, I remember waking up that first day and I was like, what do I do today? Like, I don't have an email to check. I don't have, you know, anywhere to be like, I just felt so lost and I had to like rediscover who I was outside of that. Yes. (laughs) Like that. I resonate so deeply. That's what happened to me too. When you're like all consumed all hours of the day in your job and you're not, you're not separate from it. So it's like, who am I? (laughs) And you kind of need that time and space to rediscover that and blessing in disguise sometimes that now you had the opportunity to do that. Exactly. So when you started thinking about, okay, I could save rent money by living in a hotel. Did you have points and miles 
saved from your job or were you starting from scratch? And from when you conceptualized this idea, how long did it take for you to put it into action? So (laughs) I um, had made a decision that I was going to move to the Bay Area and I was going to work in tech. So the beginning of 2020, I had started interviewing um, at different tech companies and I really wanted to work at Google. So I was in the middle of interviews. I think I was on my third interview at Google. I also was interviewing at Facebook and then a smaller tech company like a startup. And I remember right when COVID hit and I was on, I was on an interview with who the person who would be my hiring manager at Google. And she's like, we just got sent home. We don't really know what's happening with this role. We're going to put this on pause, like, you know, stay tuned. And I remember this at this point, it's like April of 2020. Well, I guess it was like late March, but by April of 2020, I was really depressed because I was like, okay, nobody's hiring comms people because I did employee communications like town halls and posters on walls and, you know, that kind of stuff that like that wasn't happening. Everybody's working from home. So all these jobs were put on hold. And I was like, what? I don't know what to do. And I got really depressed. That's when I went down the rabbit hole and started watching uh, the YouTube stuff. But I um, what what made everything click was seeing the cost of hotels during COVID, there were Marriott's that normally were like $200 a night for $30 out of the country, especially countries where the borders were closed. Did I have tons and tons of points? Not really, but I had enough where I was like, if stuff hit the fan and I had to book a ticket home on, you know, points, or if I had to pick up, you know, a week or two on points, I could do that. But I knew that the biggest opportunity were the cheap cash rates because the world had stopped and everything was shut down. And so these hotels were sitting empty and they were just dirt cheap, like $20 a night for some of the, especially in Southeast Asia, some of these hotels were so cheap and they were offering free breakfast, free lunch, free dinner, like just crazy packages. And I had even booked something at the St. Regis in Bali thinking, oh, by November, Indonesia is going to be back open, which it wasn't by the end of 2020. But it was so cheap to stay at the St. Regis. I was like, let me just lock this in right now for Thanksgiving, because I just know I'm going to be there. But yeah, so I, I made that decision. And what mattered more was not so much how many points I had. I knew I had top tier status with airlines, meaning I was going to get the upgrades and I was going to get the free checked bags and all of that. And more importantly, I knew I had the status with the hotels, meaning I was going to get the free breakfast. I was going to get the room upgrades and the late checkouts. And that was going to help with the budgeting as well. So I was kind of looking at it from a full picture of if I don't have to worry about, you know, food, I was on a weight loss journey during this time too. I lost, uh, well, 50 pounds before I started traveling. Wow. Congrats. Um, and then additional 10 pounds that first year traveling. Um, so I, you know, I was doing this intermittent, intermittent fasting. So I was like, well, you know, I'm not really eating breakfast. So if I eat a late breakfast and it doubles as lunch, and then if I can use a food and beverage credit because of my status, uh, you know, I might not even have to worry about food. And then, you know, I'm going to be getting these cheap rates and earning points. And then I could use those points to get more free nights. And it just all made sense as opposed to paying, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month in rent. 
Totally. Like it, it makes sense, but it's also a fun challenge. Like how can I make this work? Like I'm getting really high quality product at a discounted rate. It's I'm obsessed with priority pass. So that's low key. I'm like, I'm just living the high life and this is free, but I love this. <laughs> so where did you go first when you put this plan into action? Well, it's funny because, so the documentary that I watched was Kira and Nate's 100 Country Documentary. They're this couple that they wanted to go to 100 countries. And I was like, that was amazing after I watched it and was really inspired. But I was like, they wasted so much money. They could have done it for cheaper. They started in Tokyo. And so I was like, oh, well, it makes so much sense to start in Southeast Asia. And I was like, you know, by, my lease was up July 20th. So I was like, by summer... COVID's going to be over and Southeast Asia is going to be completely open. So I'm just going to start with that. And I have a friend, one of my best friends, Chelsea, she uh, moved to New Zealand. And so she was kind of helping me plan all this because she used to be a travel blogger. And so she said, yeah, you can come to New Zealand even, and we can start it off there. Like we had it all planned out of like, I was going to come to New Zealand, then I was going to go to Bali and get my chakras cleared to have the whole thing start off. And I was going to go all around Southeast Asia. And we had all of these big plans. And then the closer we got to July, we began to realize New Zealand wasn't opening the borders and neither was Southeast Asia. And so I kind of had to go back to the drawing board and it was very discouraging because I remember in June putting in my 30 day notice to my apartment and being terrified because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I finally made a decision to start in Florida. I booked a one way ticket to Florida. And the reason I chose Florida, because at the time it didn't, that did not make sense. The, the numbers were record high for COVID in Florida, but I had just lost 50 pounds and the supplement company that I, I was taking these supplements and they were having a conference in Florida. And so I said, well, I, I, I kind of want to go to the conference because I just lost all this weight on these supplements and I kind of want to go and like, you know, whatever. And I was so nervous, but I, I don't know, something just told me to do it. So I booked a one-way ticket to Orlando and I got there a couple weeks early. So I uh, went to Disney the first week it reopened and I made a YouTube video about that. And then I went down to Fort Lauderdale, down to Miami, Coral Gables. And then I came back up to Orlando and went to that conference and then continued on my traveling. But that's kind of how it all started. And I remember getting on that first plane being like, what am I doing? I'm making the biggest mistake of my life. Like, <laughs> I'm terrified. I imagine that was so scary. And were you able to find cheap hotel prices in Florida or what was, how did you navigate that at the onset? Yeah. So one of the biggest issues when I, or not issues, but I guess concerns was I need to figure out a way to make money. That was like number one of like, yes, I'm going to save money. But in six months, like December was kind of like my, okay, I can, I can do this life till December, but I need to figure out a way by December to make money or I'm going to have to like go get a job, right? So I actually became a travel agent a month prior thinking, well, you know, maybe I can start booking travel for people or, you know, I don't know. I just was like, I'm going to like do this travel agent thing. And I didn't really know a lot about what I was committing to. But because of that, I had access to travel agent rates 
And so in Florida, I was able to get really discounted rates. And so in Orlando, in Fort Lauderdale, and in Miami, I was able to stay at Marriott Properties for like 60 something bucks a night because of the discounted rate. So that was a really great way to start. Cool. And I know travel being a travel agent isn't the only thing you do. What happened next in terms of business and making money? Well, I I assumed that nobody else was going to be traveling during COVID and nobody else was going to be documenting what it was like. So I said, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to be like Karen Nate, but a, a solo traveler. And so I called it In Search of Traveler as an in search of the new normal of travel. And I was like, I'm going to document what the new normal of travel looks like now that COVID's here and what people have to do, you know, what's it like flying? What's it like this and that? And um, so I thought, well, everybody's going to watch my YouTube channel because I'm going to be the only one doing this and I'm going to have a million subscribers by the end of the year. And that's how I'm going to get rich. And I did monetize. It took me a year to monetize, but I did end up monetizing. But that does not pay the bills. I always tell people my YouTube channel is the most amount of work out of anything that I do. And it pays me the least amount of money. But I enjoy it because it's kind of like a diary to look back on. So I like it, but it's not something that I put a lot of focus on now. I also sell the supplements that I lost 50 pounds um, taking. And then um, something magical happened. In January, I joined an app called Clubhouse. And that changed my life. That is what made me monetize on YouTube. I built, you know, a, a community on Instagram. Um, I built a community on that Clubhouse app and some other platforms. And I started selling digital products. I had started working on a course. And I ended up selling that to my Clubhouse audience. And that became my main source of income at the beginning. I have two courses now. I have the Best Travel Tips course, and then I have a Digital Nomad course. But that became a huge stream of income. Fast forward, gosh, about a year and a half after that, people started asking me about, how did you become a travel agent? Because now I'm starting to do more things with my my travel agent stuff and booking and, and that that kind of thing. And so I ended up building out an agency. And now I have almost gosh, 30 something agents. I don't even know how many anymore. I've lost count, but there I've got a whole gang of agents now that I'm now teaching to do what I do. I run group trips and that has become way bigger than I could have ever dreamed of. I do a lot with affiliate programs as well. Uh, now with my community, with recommending things through Amazon Also, I work with credit card affiliates and other random affiliate programs and I'm a paid speaker. I mean, I could go on and on, but I essentially monetized my life. So I think a lot of times when people become quote unquote influencers, they say, what can I do or promote to make a lot of money? But instead I said, what am I already loving and using? And do they have an affiliate program or do they have a way that I can get compensated for promoting something I'm already using and loving that I would recommend anyways? And that's kind of how I built my, my income, my, my, uh, my income. I, I tell people, and I say this a lot in my digital nomad course, when you're first starting out, especially for entrepreneurs, think about eight to 10 things that you can do, even if it's three to $500 a month that you can make money doing at the beginning. 
And when you pool all that money together, that becomes a full-time income. And you will see certain things are going to take off. But it's nice when you don't focus on just one thing, because if that thing, if you have a bad month, you know, you have other things to fall back on. And I've seen things shift and change and my priority and, and attention has changed on what I focus on, you know, as I have evolved on this journey. But that has been a blessing because things I didn't even think were going to be a thing have become a huge thing uh, when it comes to my business. I love that. And like a full-time income is going to vary based on where you are. So a full-time income in California is going to be super different than if you're bopping around Southeast Asia. So that's worth considering as well. So can we backtrack a little bit for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about Clubhouse? Yeah. So Clubhouse is a social audio app and it's, it's kind of, interesting. There's nothing I've ever experienced like it. So I was hearing all this buzz about this thing Clubhouse at the end of 2020. And, you know, I'd been traveling at that time. It had been almost six months that I'd been traveling by myself. And I was starting to get kind of lonely. And I, you know, was seeking human connection. And so I remember I got on Facebook and I was like, does anybody have an invite for Clubhouse? Because it was invite only. You had to have somebody invite you. And one of my friends said, I have an invite. And she gave me the invite. And I joined the app. And then I was like on the phone or something with my friend Francis. And I said, Francis, I just got on this app. It's invite only. I have an invite. I can give you one. So now we're both on this app trying to figure out how to like work it. But basically, nobody can see you. So you just put you have like a little profile picture, they can only hear your voice. And they have what they call rooms. And so you can run what's called a room. It's kind of like a Zoom call where you can entertain people. Like they have like Broadway type shows. You can educate people. It's almost like a TED Talk style or a class. Um, You can just hang out with people like a social meetup hangout. But it feels more intimate because there's something about audio and that human connection where you talk to these people through your phone and you feel like you know them after a few months. And so I started running these rooms, teaching people how to travel in style, but not spend a lot of money. Like how can I live in Marriott hotels, but I'm only spending $500 a week on everything, on my hotel and my food and my entertainment, giving them actual techniques and strategies that they can go and use so they can duplicate what I'm doing. And it's crazy because I'm talking into my phone. So I forget, oh my gosh, there's like a gang of people in this room. And then now as I'm starting to speak at conferences and things, I'm meeting people and they're like, I've been coming to your clubhouse rooms for a year, two years. And, you know, I went from working a corporate job and I just quit. Now I'm like going to travel full time or I got rid of my apartment like you, you inspired me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because you forget these are real people like listening and being inspired. So it's just, that's like what makes it worth it is when people say, I listened to you for X amount of time and now I'm doing what you do too. I love it. That's awesome. And so on that note, can you give a couple actionable tips for someone who wants to get started, maybe living in hotels? How do you find those really cheap deals and what would you recommend for someone to do first? Yes. Okay. So first thing, the biggest tip I give is flexibility. I quickly learned that I had the gift of flexibility. When you travel full time, you're not on a timeline. So I opened myself 
to going anywhere. I am literally willing to go anywhere in the world at any time. And because of that, there is always going to be a deal somewhere. The question is, is that somewhere a place you want to go? Your two biggest expenses are going to be your hotel and your flight. A lot of times I'm looking at the hotel first because I need a hotel every single night of the week. And then I check to see if I can get a a cheap flight there. But sometimes I'll find a cheap flight and see, well, do they have cheap hotels? But they kind of go hand in hand. And what I do is I open up my search. I'm searching entire countries or entire continents even sometimes to find the deal. And it doesn't matter the currency. Perhaps you're paying in cash as in dollars and cents or maybe you're paying in points. It doesn't matter. It's the same idea that instead of doing things like I wanted to go to Greece. And when people think of Greece, they think of Santorini, they think of Mykonos, they think of Athens. Those cities are super touristy and super expensive. So instead of searching Santorini, which I did search and I saw that Marriott's cheapest hotel for the dates I searched was $600 a night, I searched all of Greece for those dates. And a little tiny seaside town popped up that I had never heard of. But there was a Marriott there for $49 a night. I ended up staying at that Marriott for three months. And, you know, I fell in love with that city because not only I I learned I like beach cities. So not only was it on the beach, but it was wine country. And I'm a huge wine, wino. I love, you know, wine. And they had tons of amazing restaurants and it was super walkable. But it wasn't a place that, I'd ever heard of before, but because I searched the entire country and I didn't limit myself to specific cities, I found a place I love. Right now I'm in Spain. I'm literally looking out my window at the ocean. I'm literally at a Marriott. I have their best room. I got upgraded to their best room, booked the cheapest room, got upgraded to the best room at this hotel, ocean view, wraparound balcony. I booked 15 nights at this hotel for 83,000 Marriott Bonvoy points. That's anywhere between 5,000 and 9,000 points a night, which is a pretty epic redemption. And it's summer, right? Like it's June in Europe, like in Spain on the beach. A lot of people are like, how did you find that redemption? Well, I wanted to go to Italy and I was in Italy for two weeks before this, but I couldn't find anything. Everything was getting super expensive as we got in the summer. So then I said, well, is there anything in Greece? Well, there were things in Greece, but I was like, "Mm, it's still a little expensive. Well, what about France? Nothing in France. France was too expensive. I looked in Turkey. I was like, Turkey has cheap beach hotels. No, there actually wasn't anything that I really liked. So I said, well, let me look at Spain. And this hotel popped up with that really cheap redemption. And I love it because not only was it 83,000 points for 15 nights, which made me hit the 15 nights makes me hit platinum status, which I hit for less than $1,500 this year. But I also get $10 a day food and beverage credit, $10 a day food and beverage credit that I can use at the restaurant. I can use at the, they have like a little gift shop with they sell like candy bars. Like today I used my $10 to get uh, a Snickers bar, a Twix bar, some water, like just things I shouldn't be eating. Right. But you can use it for whatever you want. So like if I know I'm going to go out to dinner at a local restaurant, I sometimes go to the restaurant and just say, can I have four bottles of sparkling water to go? And there are these really fancy sparkling waters in glass bottles. And I just pop them in my fridge and drink them during the day. The point being is I got a free upgrade. So I'm in a beautiful room. 
They come and clean every day, bring me fresh towels. I get $10 a day to spend. On the last day that I end up being here, I'll be able to check out officially at 4 p.m. But a lot of times if you ask them for later, they'll give it to you if you need it. Free breakfast, like the list goes on and on. And it's costing me nothing but my points for two whole weeks. And when people start thinking about that, imagine if whatever you're paying in rent, you got for two weeks, you didn't have to pay rent. And somebody came and cleaned your room every day and cooked for you. That is crazy. And like, I just want to drive the point home in case people aren't familiar with points and miles, especially Marriott points. Like that's an insane redemption. You don't hear that (laughs) ever. (laughs) That's so awesome. And inspiring. Well, and and something about that. Can I say something about Please. that? Because I am a hardcore Marriott lover, but typically in the points and miles community, you're going to hear people talk about Hyatt mm-hmm. and points and miles. People love Hyatt because Hyatt typically has the best redemptions when using points. So you can stay in a really expensive hotel for not a lot of points. That is what Hyatt is known for. And they have excellent customer service, but Hyatt The reason I'm not a huge fan of Hyatt is that they have a very small portfolio. So that just limits you. You kind of are restricted to larger cities and they just don't have as many properties. Uh, Marriott has the most properties out of anybody. And Marriott, if you are flexible enough, you can find cheap redemptions. Marriott's known for having the most expensive redemptions. But I'm here to tell you that I redeem for less than 10,000 points a night all the time. It is possible. You just have to be flexible. You're probably not going to do it in New York City or Paris, but you can do it in a lot of really epic places. That's awesome and inspiring and just a great opportunity to explore places like you said you did in Greece. You probably wouldn't have gone there if you had if you weren't exploring the whole country in order to find a good redemption. So it's an exactly. opportunity to see new things in the world. Exactly. And honestly, too, what I've learned, because I've been traveling for three years, I'm not on vacation. And so because I'm on a a small budget, I'm a foodie. I like to eat out. Like, I don't really cook anymore. I used to cook in my hotel room, like make little things. I don't really do that anymore. I really do eat out meals. But when you're in these small towns that that are not touristy, you can go out to eat and it's not expensive. It's not like I'm going out in Paris, like in front of the Eiffel Tower, and they're going to charge me an arm and a leg because it's a touristy area. The place that I'm in in Spain, it actually is kind of touristy because I'm on the border. I'm like at the very tip of the south of Spain, but it's way cheaper than if I was in like Barcelona at the beach. So it's easier for me to be able to like ball out, as I say, (laughs) and have the seafood and all of the great meals and not break the bank. So, you know, be able to keep on my budget. Totally. I love that. And so over the past, three-ish years. What has been your most epic hotel experience so far? Oh, wow. Well, I'm a big fan of day passes. So (laughs) I, this has not come out yet on my YouTube channel, but I was in Cancun for five weeks earlier this year and I filmed a resort pass redemption. So on my last day, I had a flight at 5 a.m. or something like that. And I didn't want to pay another night hotel because I was like, well, if my flight's at five, I'll probably want to go to the airport at like three or something. So I'll probably head to the airport at like 2 a.m. Like that's such a waste of a hotel night. So then I was like, well, what if I just did a resort pass and checked out the day before, 
was at that hotel all night, all day, and then went to the airport early and just hung out at the airport for a couple extra hours. So I went on resortpass.com, which is an amazing site. There's other sites too, but Resort Pass is my favorite. Found an all-inclusive resort, actually a Hyatt property that was $400 a night if I would have booked at that that hotel that night. And the Resort Pass was from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. And so I was there right at 9 a.m. for breakfast. And um, I just Ubered there. I brought all my suitcases with me. They let me store everything. I had packed in a way where I had a separate bag with like a little sundress to change into for dinner, but came in like a swimsuit and a cover up, had breakfast, and then um, sat out on, you know, a beach chair at the beach. They were bringing me pina coladas, all that. And then they let you do all the water sports and everything. So I signed up for kayaking, which I never made it to because I ended up making friends and you know, whatever at the beach, but they had um, all these water activities, multiple pools. Then I went to lunch. They had a la carte dining, buffet dining. They invited me to a tequila tasting, which by the time the tequila tasting happened, I'd already had so many cocktails. I was like, there's no way, <laughs> but it was an amazing experience. And I spent the entire day there and everybody I met was like, I can't believe you're not staying here and we're doing all the same things. I paid $120 for the resort pass. They all were like, we're paying 400 something a night and we're all doing the same thing. So that's another tip. If you don't have a big budget, stay at the cheaper hotel, get resort passes every day to like the five-star hotels that are, you know, where you would love to stay at, but are maybe out of your budget and you can hang out at that hotel, do all the things all day. And then you go back and sleep at your cheaper hotel. That is such a good tip because you're not eating and drinking while you're sleeping. So who cares? Exactly. And then I just set up a shuttle to pick me up from that hotel. I changed into my airport clothes. The shuttle came and picked me up. By the time I got out of there, it was like midnight. And then by the time I got to the airport, it was like 1 a.m. So I hung out at the airport from like one to three, I think by 3am, I was able to check in. And then it was like normal, like I went about my way at the airport, got on the plane and was off. But I highly recommend doing that. Save the money on the extra night hotel. Just go hang out at a nicer hotel all day. That's awesome. Yeah. And you didn't even end up at the airport that early. So great tip. Cool. So can you talk a little bit about your opinion of like the current landscape of the travel space and the travel influencer space and the points and miles space? What do you see and what do you think needs to change? I see a lot of diversity starting to happen. I think points and miles used to be predominantly male, predominantly Caucasian males. And I'm seeing everything when I go on Instagram now, which I love. But what I want to see more of is those those influencers and content creators getting opportunities to share their knowledge at the conferences and other spaces, not just the men. Because what I love about this diversity that's happening is points and miles and what people are doing with points and miles is changing. Points and miles used to be a bunch of corporate guys who, you know, have families and kids And they're like, look, I travel a ton for work. I made a few tweaks to how I do things, got a couple extra credit cards, whatever. Now I'm able to take my family on an epic vacation once a year. Great. But not everybody wants to go to a five-star hotel and not everybody wants to fly first class. 
people are using points and miles to do all kinds of crazy things now. And I love seeing it. You know, there's no shame in the game of using your points to, to book a coach flight. There's no shame in the game of using your points to, you know, stay at a three-star hotel for a lot of people who feel like, oh my gosh, I can't afford to go on vacation. There is no extra money. The points are the difference between them being able to go on the vacation or not. And a lot of people don't realize if you just change the form of payment that you're using, instead of using your debit card, find a credit card that's going to give you some points for how you are already naturally spending your money. I'm not telling you to go into debt. I'm not telling you to spend money you don't have. But take a look at, are you spending money on groceries or gas or going out to eat? What are some credit cards that are going to reward you for those categories? And instead of putting your purchases for those things on a debit card, put it on a credit card where you're going to earn the points and use those points to book a flight and book a hotel and go on vacation. And then understand the currency that you have in your wallet and, and what you can do with those points. I just did a presentation. I did a Marriott deep dive. A lot of people don't know about instant redemptions at Marriott, meaning, did you know you can use Marriott Bonvoy points to pay for food, to pay for drinks, to pay for spa services, to pay for, for golf? A lot of people don't know that. Is it a great use of your points? No, not if you're looking at it in a mathematical way, but if you wanted to have a $200 dinner and the only way you're able to afford to do that is use a bunch of Marriott points that you have in excess of and you don't have the $200, then use the points if that's what fills your cup up. And I think you're starting to see a lot more of that, that it doesn't analytically have to always make sense. I believe the best redemption is the one that's right for you. And it may not make sense to the person next to you, but if that lights you up and if that makes your vacation that much better, that's the point of points and miles is to travel in the way you want to travel. Thank you for saying that because I think I see a lot sometimes people are like, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up and spend my points wrong. Mm -hmm. And then like, so they don't do anything. And then you just like right. stockpile points. And then what's the <laughs> point of that? Exactly. And the thing is, you will mess up. We all have stories of the terrible redemption we did now looking back on it. But you learn from those mistakes like anything in life. And sometimes you just do a bad redemption because you really want to do that thing and you don't want to pay for it. Like I had a time where I had like 300,000 Marriott points sitting in my account and, you know, I can get a free night for five, 10,000 points, but I spent like about that much on a meal that I didn't want to pay the actual money for them. But I was like, honestly, I'm not going to miss the points. Is it the best use of my points? No, but I don't want to pay money for this. I'd rather pay the points because I have a ton of points that I don't really need right now. So for me, that made sense. So sometimes just kind of blowing points. If that lights you up and makes you happy, do it. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And can you talk a little bit about the adversity you have faced in this space and how you overcame it? Yeah. I mean, I think that also something that is not talked about enough, and I talk about this a lot in my digital nomad room on Clubhouse, is the mental toughness of traveling full-time, I think there's a couple of things that I didn't realize. Number one is the lack of support. I think that when you watch a lot of YouTubers and other like content creators, it seems like everybody in their life is so excited for them traveling, like their family and friends and all of that. They're like, that's so cool. You're traveling full-time. 
And when I started, it was in the middle of the pandemic and people were like, you're going to die. You're crazy. You're making a mistake. You're ruining your life. Don't do it. You're going to regret this, all of that. And so I wasn't ready for that. I thought people would be more supportive Um, and they are more so now, but it just, it was different than what I thought. Number two, you have to find a tribe to be able to complain to. When you are sitting on a beach in Thailand, you know, drinking out of a coconut, that's what your friends and family see on Instagram. So you can't complain to them like, oh, my visa. I remember when I was in Thailand, I kept on extending my visa and I had one at one point I thought I might have to leave Thailand because my visa, they were kind of giving me a hard time about doing another extension because I was in this like remote town and there weren't any tourists and it wasn't like in Phuket where they just like, were like, yeah, as long as you pay, we don't care. And it was like a two week. They were like, we have to get special approval for this. They like called my hotel to confirm I was really staying there. They thought it was so weird. I was staying at the Marriott for four months and like all this <laughs> stuff. And they're like, is she really staying there? And like, why a month's not enough in Thailand? Like what? And they're like, no, she's here. And she's like always on her laptop. Like, I don't know, like, but she really is staying here. Um, But I couldn't complain to my like friends about that because they're, you know, back at, at, you know, in the States, like working so hard, risking their lives, going to work. Like you complain, oh, I might have to leave Thailand and go to another country. And I don't know where I'm going to go. And like, that sounds so silly to them. So you have to find people that are doing what you're doing. And for me, Clubhouse allowed me to find people who are living this lifestyle and that get the tough stuff that we're going through. And we can kind of complain to each other because people don't get it. They think we're on vacation. Traveling full time is not a vacation. And I tell people, my life is not that different than your life is. The only difference is I don't pay my rent to a landlord. I pay my rent to Marriott. And I still have a schedule. I still work. You know, I still run a business. It doesn't necessarily look like work. And because I monetize my life, it doesn't always feel like work. But I do stick to a schedule. And there are things I have to do. And if I don't do them, um, I don't make money. And so I think that that whole aspect of it, I wasn't expecting. It seems so effortless when you watch people on YouTube. But it's a lot of work. I've never worked this hard. But I am living the life of my dreams. Like I wake up when I'm done sleeping. I go to bed when I'm tired. I I can't imagine living any other way now that I have been living this lifestyle for three years. This is such an important point. Anytime you do anything full time, that's your life now. And life is never perfect, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. so it's, it's hard to conceptualize sometimes, especially like exactly what you said. And I've experienced that as well. So definitely having that support system who gets it, who's been there, who's doing the same things as you, like such solid advice. Yes. Yes. It just being grateful. Like I remember when I first started traveling, even if you're at a hotel that like, isn't exactly what you thought. Like I remember being at a hotel and it was a little smoky. But I remember being like, but I'm living in this hotel right now. How epic is this? Being, having gratitude for the little things and in slowing down, like stopping and just enjoying the small things in life. Like I now have my little coffee every morning and I really just sit out and look at the ocean. And I started walking to the beach at like four o'clock, five o'clock, watching the sunset in the winter. That became a thing in Thailand. 
the little things that you can be grateful for every day have become such a bigger part of my life because it is sometimes hard sometimes, but your attitude, like when you look, when you look for things to be terrible or wrong or difficult, you're going to find them. But when you look for the amazing things, you, you're going to find that and be appreciative of that too. And so I think when you take a second to stop and, and pinch yourself and say, this is my life. I'm living in a hotel. Everybody at this hotel is at my beck and call. Like, Miss McCurdy, how can we help you? Like, leaving the water on my nightstand. And they start to learn what you like. And they, you know, I sit down at the restaurant. They bring me my sparkling water now here at this hotel because they know I really like that. Like, just the little things. I'm just so grateful for so many things now. And I spend significantly less money than I did living in LA and I live such a more abundant lifestyle. Like literally I live on $30,000 a year, but I, you know, it feels like I'm living like a $200,000 a year lifestyle, but it's because if you're flexible enough, you can find hotels for 30, 40, $50 a night, especially in Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe and Central America that are amazing. And are going to give you all of these elevated experiences for cheaper than rent in any major city. L.A., San Francisco, New York, Miami, London. I could just go on and on about that. <laughs> I love it. And like sometimes you just need to hear that someone else did it. So here, exactly. Ashley is doing it. It is possible. It's possible for her. So it's possible for you. And mm-hmm. totally appreciate you sharing all of this. So before we wrap up, what advice do you have for someone who wants to travel more, but they either think it's too expensive or they just don't feel ready? They're kind of stuck. To just do it. It's not, it's going to feel crazy. It's never going to be the right time. It's never, you're never going to feel 100% ready. None of it's going to feel right, but to just do it. Because when you make a decision to do something, the universe will conspire to help you make it happen. I truly believe it. I know that sounds super woo-woo, but I truly, 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 truly believe that if you want this bad enough, you will find a way. And, you know, as cheap as I travel, there's a lot of people that I've met that travel even cheaper. There are work exchange programs where you can work and in exchange for housing, like accommodations and food. And there's one girl, she went a whole month and only spent one euro. And it was because she was hitchhiking and they stopped at a gas station and she wanted a bag of chips. And so she spent one year on a bag of chips. All her food was covered through her accommodation. She had free accommodation. She did free walking tours and free things in the cities. I have another friend who he's hitchhiking, Ruben. He's hitchhiking from Georgia, yeah, Georgia to Japan over two years. He spends like 30 to 50 euro a month. And he's been doing this for over a year already. And he like he's always doing something fun and always at some meetup or whatever. But there are people that are spending not a lot of money. And he used to be he used to work in tech and like sales and tech and made a six figure salary in Europe and used to only stay at five star hotels. And now he hitchhikes and like stays in hostels and like does like, you know, work away stuff. And so the point being is if you really want to do this. There is a way and there's an accommodation style for everyone. There's a way to do this on every budget level. There's people who spend a lot more than me. There's people who spend a lot less than me. 
there is no right or wrong way to live this lifestyle, but it is possible. You just have to make the decision and start and you will evolve as a traveler. You'll learn what works and doesn't work. So true. Such perfect advice to end on. And if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? I'm in search of traveler on all social media. So if you search that on Clubhouse, I pop up. If you search that on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, YouTube, or you can go to InSearchOfTraveler.com. And I have a couple of freebies on there too. So uh, for folks who are looking for specific recommendations for the best travel credit cards or a free resource on how to become a travel agent. And then I also have like my courses and group trips and all of that. You can get that on my website, InSearchOfTraveler.com. Perfect. And it's all linked in the show notes as well. Ashley, thank you for being here and for sharing such valuable insight. I think it's a really good episode. I personally like it. I know everyone else will as well. So I appreciate you and your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.